This is a podcast called 25 Whistles Talking basketball and they all wear a whistle Yeah, it's stupid, but what did you expect? It's a podcast called 25 Whistles 25 Whistles What's happening, everybody? Coach Bruce Weber will be on later, which made the Final Four in 2005, made the National Championship game. It's weird they don't go to that. They're always like, made the Final Four, even if they made the National Championship game. Like, that's, the Final Four is not the end-all or the championship. Because when they talk about it, they're like, hey, Final Four appearance, and no, National Championship game appearance. But it's weird because that's the name that they put on, like, pizza boxes. Like, well, Final yeah. Four, Final Four. Yes, so and maybe Sweet that. 16. Yeah. And, but it's a different level You're of the right. championship game. <laughs> It should be. So anyway, he's going to be on with us. He won the coach of the year 2005. And I got to get, he's 497 in total wins as a head coach. So it's like, you got to do something. You got to get three more coach somehow. I don't know what you got to do. (laughs) Does 2K count? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Although, shout out to you, my friend. Huh? The Detroit Detroit Pistons? Eddie's taking the Pistons. I think we're in 95. 95 is our year that we're we're in right now. We started in 91 or 92. And... Eddie has turned a bad Pistons team into a contender. He's got Oliver Miller, third, yeah. third in the MVP race right now after you drafted him. Oh, dude, he's awesome. He's like got a lot of rebounds right now. But here's the thing I realized about my team is that I really don't have a lot of depth in the center position. So if I lose Oliver Miller, I've got Lambeer, but then I'm in trouble with like power you, forward with big guys. Why don't you try to draft pick and get another big guy? That's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about that last one. I do. I'm loaded with draft. I'm trying to get Kevin Garnett this next year. Ooh. So I've drafted every bad. I've given, I have no de- I have depth, but it's not near as good as it used to be. Right. And I'm trying to stock up on picks for 96 because Kevin Garnett's coming out of the draft at high school, and I'm trying to get him. Are you tanking? No, I'm trying to win the championship. No, 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 no. Okay. He's, not, he's 9-0. Okay. Oh. Yeah, and the problem – not a problem, but my team's getting older, so I took Utah and, and switched them. Now they're in the Nashville Nibblers. They play out of Nashville, and they have a <laughs> – Yeah, but, the, but his uh, mascot's a gorilla, like With a big, fierce big teeth. gorilla. <laughs> and so were the Nashville Nibblers. And so you could pick any team you wanted to start with from, like, 91. And I took Utah because they had – both Malones, but Carl Malone was the big one, and John Stockton were both in the nineties. Yeah. So they've, they're getting older. I traded Carl Malone and got a ton for him because he's getting older. Mm. I'm about to have to trade John Stockton too. Wow. He's like 33. Yeah. Now. All those dudes are getting older. Yeah. But like all- I played against Patrick Ewing in '95. He's legit. Like he's still legit, but you can see him losing a step oh, or you two. Can? Oh, yeah, a little, a little bit. wrinkle or two. A little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, so that's what. Do you play basketball? At all? Uh, recreationally? Yeah. Yeah. It's you been ball, a while, Kevin? but yeah. Why don't you play in our 2K league? Do you have a PS5? Oh, no, 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 no. No, video games? No. I yeah. thought you were talking about going to actually play. I was talking about really playing, but I'm yeah. saying... I don't have a PS5 or Xbox or anything. But you don't play at all, though, either, and have no interest in it. Oh, I do. Wait, no, playing video games? Yeah. Are talking about video games? Oh, my no, gosh. I don't. Oh, I don't. my gosh, guys. <laughs> Who's on first, bro? <laughs> video games, no. You have no Recreationally, interest in being yes. in our Madden League or our NBA 2K League. No. I, no. There's never been a video all game. All the cool guys play video games nowadays. Uh, oh, well... Yeah. Do they, Eddie? Yeah. It's really the only like, two yeah. games I play, but I, I love them. And we play with our friends. We get on hit. I mean, we talk. You, It's like mm. fantasy football, but all year. But you're, it keeps you close to your buddies. Maybe NCAA, when that comes back, I love that I, game. They delayed it a year. I know. Like, like idiots. Anyway, Coach Weber will be on. He's coached 23 NBA players, over 100 players who have played professionally. I mean, the fact that he was an assistant at Purdue for 18 years, he mentions that, like longest assistant tenure ever. Yeah. At some point, Although he did start really young, at like, I don't know, year seven, or you're like, am I ever not going to be an assistant? But he was there for 18 years and then had a crazy good career. Got Southern Illinois to the, to the tournament, got 
Illinois to the championship game, won some conference titles with Kansas State, and he's coming on, and we'll talk about basketball and his life and career. But we didn't – the coolest thing, and I mean this in the most complimentary way, is that we would have, like, tracked down Coach Weber to get him. But we didn't have to because the daughter's a fan, and she reached out to us. Who specifically? Me and Mike. How did she get a hold of you guys? Instagram. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah DM on Instagram. And she said what? Uh, just basically, hey, I'm a huge fan of the Bobby Bones show. My sisters and I, we all listen. Like, we love the show. And then we love the 25 Whistles podcast. That's awesome. My dad is Bruce Weber. And That's got to love with that, though. Yeah. Hey, my dad's Bruce Weber also. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we listen Dude. every day, and we'd love to have him on the 25 Whistles if you guys are interested. And Yeah. And then when they meet us and they talk with us, they're already, like, in a good mood, and they're not worried about us because somebody from their family already vouches. And I felt that way with Coach Weber, too. Like, he was just down to have fun immediately. Because his daughters thought he didn't know who we were, but his daughters thought we were cool. Yeah. Maybe he said he listened a little bit since they told him. But I felt like he listened and was like, not my thing, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do it for my daughters. Yeah, but awesome. <laughs> Coach, what's going on? I'm doing okay. How about you? We're doing good. It's an uh, honor to talk with you, especially now. I mean, we're getting into it. I was up last night. These games that start at nine o'clock, because, and now all the games you got to watch because everybody's fighting for either seeds. For the NCAA tournament, or you know, I know you work for a different conference, and I'm a, mostly yes, a fan of. Which yes. I'm an SEC guy, but you know, we're all fighting uh, for conference seeds. How does inside the locker room? How does it change? Here we are, early March. Does it change? Is it palpable? Whenever it's like, okay, now we got to play for a spot. Yeah, there's no doubt. It 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 means so much. You work all year to get to this point, and uh, it it is it. It is really, really important. I really think it comes down to, you know, the coaches always want it, but do the players want it? And how much do they want it? And, you know, they have to – this is the time of the year the players take the accountability, the players take the responsibility, and they're the ones that take the thing to a new level. And they have their shining moments and put themselves in position that, you know, accomplish things and, and have special, special memories. Were you ever like, guys, I can't really communicate with you how important this is? And then they were like, yeah, coach, you were right. Like, we should have listened to you. We, we got to conference tournament, and you were right, and we didn't really understand the gravity of the situation. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's funny, like uh, two weeks ago, my SIU, Southern Illinois team, we celebrated our Sweet 16, 20th anniversary of our Sweet 16 run. And, you know, for Southern Illinois, it's three times in the history – of their school from the Missouri Valley to get in this sweet 16. So it was really, really special But but to be with those guys and to hear some of them say, coach, all your messages still haunt me, mm. you know, 20 years later and things you told me, you know, it's part of my life and you're right. And, and there's guys that have had great success and there's other ones that have struggled just like, you know, in normal life. And it's funny to hear one of them wouldn't come back. And he was one of our best players. And he said, coach, I'm not coming back until I'm ready and proud of what I'm about as a person, uh, you know, before I come back to, and I'll bring my family back then. And because we wanted to fly him back, we wanted him back. And, you know, it was interesting to hear his perspective. You know, when you look back at all the years that you've coached young men, meaning, you know, you can go back to even when you were a GA at Western Kentucky, which was like 79, 80 or so. Is there a responsibility that you felt, or when did it become most prominent? Uh, my head football coach in high school, I didn't have a dad, so he's a big part of the discipline that I learned. And when you talk just now about your guys, they're like, we remember what you said then. I still hold a lot of that stuff from my 
head football coach to this day because I didn't have a strong male influence for most of my life. When did that become real to you that a lot of these kids lean on you for the same thing? Well, it's actually why I got into coaching, to be honest. And, um, you know, I, I got to, you know, our family story, and I don't want to bore you, but my dad came over from Austria when he was a young child, um, didn't get the education. Um, you know, they spoke German and, you know, and, and he really not to, never got to go to college. And he just told all five of, we had five kids, didn't have much money, three, three boys in one room, and we switched off who slept on the floor. Um, it, but it, you know, he just said, you're all going to be teachers and coaches because there's no better way in, in life than to help somebody and, and to be part of their life. And, and so we all were teachers and coaches. And when, one of my brothers is in the Wisconsin high school hall of fame, one's in the Illinois high school hall of fame, sisters taught and coached. And, um, and then I just, I was the one who had a whim. I was a high school coach. I wanted to be a college coach, just kind of a, a you know, a crazy miracle story that I got involved. And then, you know, 40, whatever it is, 44 years later, you know, I, I had a lifetime of, of special memories, but my whole thing when I started and it's changed so much, obviously the money, you, you talk about March madness and the, you know, the final four and all that stuff. But I got into it because I, I was, I wanted there to be there to help young men and, and help them learn and grow and, and, you know, be part of their life because there are so many guys like you talked about that don't have the father there. And, and so it's, it's the part I loved. Uh, I was talking with Tom Izzo from Michigan state this morning. And, you know, I just said, he goes, what do you miss? And I told him every day you woke up, you had to be there to help somebody. And because, you know, you were getting a call from your player or staff or somebody in the community or whatever. And, and that, and that's the part. And I'm still getting calls. I got called <laughs> from him this morning. So, but I'm still getting the calls to, you know, that, but it's not the same when you're, you know, you're coaching every day and you're, you know, you're meeting with them and helping them, helping them through crises. And, um, you know, hopefully where it, it means something in their life. And I, I go back, my guys, even 40 years ago, I was, I was about their same age. They bought beer for me because I didn't make any money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I coach Katie, my old boss, who was in as in Arkansas, he was at it with Eddie Sutton and that that run with the the triplets and that way back. And you know, coach would say, "Go check on them at night, make sure they're doing okay." Well, I went to the bars so they could buy me beer. So <laughs> it's, uh, I didn't. I made two thousand dollars or whatever it was for the year. But uh, but even those guys, you still stay in contact with them and. Uh, you know, their, their dads. And I, I had, I ended up recruiting some of their kids and, you know, it's just, it's just a special uh, career, a special life that, that you, you know, I was able to be part of. You know, being on the big 10 network with you talking about college hoops all the time, it's a different job for you. Obviously you pull from the same knowledge, but do you like doing this job now where people are saying, Hey, tell me your opinion on this, or do you miss coaching every single day? I miss coaching. I, like I said, I wake up, you know, to, to have that, you know, that, you know, it's, it's stressful, but you kind of love it. You know, guys will say, why would you want to get back into it if it's so hard? And it's gotten harder as we've gone uh, with the NIL, the name engines, name image and likeness and the portal and all the different things. But um, you know, it, you still that involvement with people every day. And I, I miss that part. But this, the Big Ten Network, um, I didn't know if I would love it. 
but I do like it. I stay involved. I stay in touch with the coaches. The coaches take my calls or they call me. Uh, you know, you know so many guys, and I, I have I don't know how many former players, managers, uh, assistant coaches that are still coaching. So you stay connect with them, and you you live and die their their highs and lows, and you know help them and give them advice whenever you can. So it, it this has been a nice thing, uh, a nice in between. A uh, couple days a week, I get out of house, and <laughs> my wife gives her a little bit of time to relax, and I I'm a guy that. I don't like to sit and I want to do something. So, um, you know, it's some early mornings and late nights, but it's, it's been fun. Three more wins. And you have 500 career wins. Like, is that in the back of your mind? Like I got to get back in this. I got to at least hit th- 500 here. <laughs> oh, if, if the right situation came about and even my wife, she's fine with it. She, she loved it. She loved being part of it. And, um, you know, I, it, it but it would have to be the right thing for her, for my my family, I had three girls, three wonderful girls, four, four grandchildren, two grand dogs or three grand dogs. And, uh, you know, it would have, I want to be around them because my first, my wife has sacrificed for 42 years. I mean, it's, 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 you give up your life when you coach. I mean, we work, you know, 340 days a year, you know, you get long weekends and, and, you know, to be with the family and stuff. And, but even when those weekends came about, she would, I'd say, I'm going to take a walk. She goes, no, you're going to go make calls. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to make calls, but I'm going to take a walk. <laughs> so it, uh, you know, it just, it just was a, it was such a grind, but it was, it was fun and we loved it. And, you know, just, we were at special places from, you know, starting at Western Kentucky, my start at Purdue for 18 years with coach Katie, um, as an assistant, I was one of the longest assistants in the history of, uh, college basketball at, you know, I was so young when I started and got that that break, and and then to go to SIU and take them to the Sweet Sixteen and NCAA at large bids, and uh, you know, and then obviously Illinois going to the to the national championship game with that group, and then K State helping them win two two uh, Big Twelve championships. They hadn't done that in about forty some years, so uh, and an Elite Eight run. So it it. It, it, it's just been a blast. Great, great memories. I'm just very, very fortunate. When we think of nerves, we often think about players being nervous before a game or as the intensity of the game starts to come down into the game. But what about coaches? Like you're talking about, you know, getting to the final four, playing in the national championship game as the head coach. Are you also just paralyzed with nerves, but you just don't want to show it? Or as a coach, you're like, I know what I'm doing. I don't actually have to get out there. How was that before a game? Oh, there's no doubt you're nervous and, and the build up and that that's just part of it. I tried to take a walk, tried to relax, uh, you know, anything you could do. You had your little routines and that. Uh, uh, but, you, you know, you just but once you get to the game and that ball goes up, you know, it's your that adrenaline's going and, and the mind's going. And, uh, you know, you you just it, it it's funny because I watch the games in the studio. Now we sit in the green room, watch games, and then we come on at halftime and after the game and all that. The games go so fast, but when I was coaching, it was two hours was like an eternity. It was like, oh my goodness, how long is this game? And then you get to that last minute, and you lose those close games, or it goes your way, whatever. All the highs and lows, the emotions, um, you know, it it it, uh, it it drove you nuts to be honest. So it's a, but it was part of it. You just loved it, and you came back for it again. It's it's like to me, it's like an addiction. I guess that 
you know, being there and helping the, you know, helping the team and, and giving them advice and all that stuff. And when they, you win, you feel great. When you lose, it's, it's misery. I'm going to get to some current basketball questions in a second, but we need your advice because this is Eddie. Eddie's my best friend. Eddie is a co-host on the show. Hey, coach. He was coaching nine-year-olds. Hey, he almost got thrown out of a nine-year-old basketball mm-hmm. game, coach. Nine-year-olds. It's my son's team, coach. The ref said, if you Eddie, say— Eddie, you got to chill. Yes. <laughs> well, you need officials. Yes, go. Coach, let me ask you a question, though. So so I yelled. I never yell. This was probably our 10th game. I never yell at the refs, but they weren't calling anything. So I, I, I got frustrated, and I yelled at him, and he blew the whistle. He said, one more comment from you, and you're out of here. And I looked at my assistant, and I said, do you think I should get kicked out? Like, we're down 10 points. We got about seven minutes left. Do you think this will energize the boys if I purposely get kicked out? You think that works, Coach? Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because uh, Matt Painter, who is the coach at Purdue, and they've been number one, and Matt Matt played for me at Purdue. I helped recruit him, and then he was my assistant, and he hasn't gotten a technical in eight years, and his fans are actually, like, questioning, why aren't you getting a technical? You know, and, and you know, it's just – and, and you know, I – think sometimes and we talked about it i was on with some uh, the head official from the big 10 the other day on a zoom and he we were just talking i think sometimes a technical can really you know get the players you feel like they feel like you have their back you take the other thing is it takes the attention away from the players and maybe they can relax a little bit so you know there i think but if you do it too much now the the officials who we need in the game and you know one of the biggest crises in sports right now is getting umpires and getting and getting officials and because one young people you know I, I don't know if they don't see the value to get young guys in it but also and young ladies uh, you know but also they, they don't want to deal with people like you Eddie you know <laughs> it's just so they don't why should I do this for twelve bucks an hour. And then this guy's going to yell at me who doesn't know anything. So right. it's, uh, <laughs> for nine-year-olds. Do you think they're going to galvanize and be like, let's go win this for dad? He has a good point. Yeah. Coach, you ever get thrown I out? I think of- there's a fine line. And I got technicals along the way. I, I didn't get a whole lot. My old boss, Coach Katie, he kind of – that was his whole thing. I mean, it, you grew up in that era. I grew up, you know, with Coach Knight and Judd Heathcote and Lou Dolson and Coach Katie in that early part of the Big Ten. and. Oh, technicals, things they said, the officials, it was, oh, my goodness. I, and now it's changed because the TV changed so much and all the cameras and they're up close. And, um, you know, I've watched Coach Katie. He had to change. He had to change his demeanor because he'd be the leadoff on SportsCenter, uh, you know, with his rants and raves and all that stuff. So, you know, it's it's just – it's different. But I would tell you, and, and again, there if you go back and watch film – 95 96% of the time the officials are probably correct. Now it's the problem is that 4% and if it affects the game uh it makes it really tough to deal with. And they're 9 Eddie. 9 years old. They're also 9. <laughs> 9 years old. Nine, you know, Eddie. just yes. be kind. Just be kind. Yes. Uh question about Purdue coach. Indiana swept Purdue. Does that say a bunch about Indiana or does it say that maybe Purdue's a little overrated? Well, you know, I think one Purdue overachieved or, you know, Matt is a great coach uh, and not just because he, you know, he's my guy or whatever. He, I mean, he just, he does a great job coaching. Uh, he's, he's got guys that he's got players that want to be coachable. I think as you get into the season, it's about matchups and you're going to see this in the tournament. It's it, there's so many teams in that you, you look in the SEC, you look in the big 10, 
everybody's 10 and 8 or 9 and 7 or whatever. There's so much balance. And you're going to see the matchups are going to be so important. And also, as the season goes on, people figure out how to beat you. Uh, you know, whether it's the NFL or, or whatever, they find people copy. I, I I was thinking of the I'm a Packer fan, so I grew up, you know, Milwaukee. I'm watching them play against Miami at Christmas Day. And the quarterback, who had been unbelievable, but the week before, somebody figured something out, dropping the linebackers and had three interceptions. Well, the Packers do it, and they intercept them a bunch. So late in the season, people find stuff that, that changes games. You know, there's a formula. Matt Painter knows it. There's a formula to beat Purdue. And, and you know, if, if if you have the right system, if you have the right players and, and the kids are coachable, you can beat them. There's no doubt. But if they get the right matchups, they, they can make a run. And and they have – Zach Eady is like – I don't know, I was on with some radio guy. He called him an alien. But, I mean, he is a big, big guy, and he's got a great touch. And and he, he plays his butt off, and he's coachable. And so he gives them a total different dimension than anyone else has. Self-scouting, and just a, an analogy here, and I'll end with this. So I'm always trying to figure out what I can do to better myself as – doing a radio show or doing a TV show or doing whatever. So with the radio show, I would hire people to, to tell me how to beat me. I'd have them listen to me, and I would say, I, I'm going to pay you. I'd hire two people at the same time, and I want you to listen to all this tape. And if you were building a show to beat me, find my weaknesses, what show would you build to beat me? And so that's what I would do. And they would present these reports to me, and they would say, well, this is how I'd beat you. This is what I do to bring in. And then I would try to cover up those, right? And then I, so I – Hired somebody to teach me how to beat me, and then I would try to beat whoever's trying to beat me. Now, as a basketball coach, it, obviously, people are trying to figure out how to win matchups, win games. Would you ever do that to your own team, figure out how to beat you, and then try to plug those holes? Yes, there's no doubt. People hire former coaches to come in, scout their team, write up reports how you would beat them, and and sometimes we'd show it to the players. Here's what the other people are saying about you, and this this is – or we would, you know, when we have friends in the business that we trust, like, you know, and I was at Illinois and, and Matt Painter just took over Purdue. I mean, we would we could trade scouting reports and say, what do you think about us? Once we're done playing, right. obviously, you're not going to do that in the middle of the season. And, and yeah, so you bring people in. Um, we all have our people we trust. You have that little group of coaches that you grew up with and you talk to them all the time. The late night recruiting trips, you know, they're up because they can't fall asleep either, and you're talking to them. and um, But, yeah, you bring people in. Bring them into practice uh, and, and, and let them watch you and, and, and critique you. It's hard, but I, I'll tell you this. My old boss, Coach Gady, who is up for the Naismith Hall of Fame this, this year again as a finalist, and I, I, I don't understand why he's not in there but because uh, he kind of did everything in the business from high school to junior college to assistant at Arkansas to – uh, one of the winningest coaches in Purdue history, the USA basketball gold medals, assistant on the Olympics gold medal, uh, NBA assistant, all that stuff. But Coach Katie, who was who you know tough and grumpy and all this, he said, if you want to stay in the business, you got to be flexible and you got to change. And we have a saying: if nothing changes, nothing changes. Mm. And you know, our, our players will call me that all the time and say, "Coach," they'll just randomly call and say, "If nothing changes, nothing changes." So, <laughs> you know, that's just part of life. You know, you got to change. You got to stay flexible. You got to stay up with it. Uh, the times, basketball changes, kids change, people change. You, if you don't stay up with it, and you get 
you know, we always say get fat and sassy. You know, you somebody's gonna you're gonna lose listeners, and somebody else is gonna come on. Yeah, that's probably happening anyway. But <laughs> look, coach, just <laughs> massive fan. And if you're out, and you know, you're one of the you know tournament sites, and I'm out there, I may hit you up and be like, coach, I want to say hello. So just a uh, super big fan, and just of who you are and how you've done it. And I appreciate the time you spent with us today. Thank you. It's been an honor, pleasure. My daughter got me hooked up with this. Uh, my daughter Emily. Her husband's from Greenwood, Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> if you know about Greenwood I do. I do. football, he played football there. Played. Uh, she she went to Illinois, and and we told her never date athletes, and she ended up marrying one. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, just it's been a pleasure being on. They, she listens every day. She loves it. Other another daughter listens, and so big fans of you. I've been listening to different things. Once she told me, she was so excited, Dad. You better not screw this up. <laughs> I got you on here. So. So hopefully I did okay. You and did great, Coach. If, you, if we're at a site or at the Final Four uh, and you're cheering for the Hogs, uh, please tap me on the shoulder. I will, Coach. Thank you for your time. Hope you have a great day. Let's now go over and do the tittle-tattle. It's time for the stupidest name ever. It's the tittle-tattle with kick we got a first golf question here. After averaging under 300,000 viewers for their first broadcast event, do you think there's a chance that the Live Golf Tournament will end up like the XFL and kind of weed its way out? XFL didn't have basically all the money in the whole world to use, right? There's a difference. XFL failed because of timing. Failed a couple times. And it's a business with a CEO that's got a board. It's got stock prices. You know, all that matters. With the Live Tournament, all, none of that matters. So you can, it's not going to be the same in that regard. And they got what we say three hundred thousand. Yeah, under. Yeah, says. but it was like CW, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah, just, CW or, network. Yep. You're just not going to get a lot of viewers on that anyway. Not yet, at least. And it's brand new, but mostly you're not going to get a lot of viewers on that anyway. I'm going to imagine their highest rating is like a point six or something. Sure. So, and that's six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand people. So the story is, live got less than three hundred thousand. That's somebody who's anti-live. Go on, look how this is doing. It's crappy. Well, it's a new league. It's on a network that, by the way, who even watches, unless it's sports, live television. I don't even know what the CW is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was sports, but we didn't even know. I'm going to go, no, not a big deal at all. The fact they have a partner, it's great for them. I'm not a fan of the league. But the more that I hear about everything else that I don't even know is also affiliated with some. I'm like, I just don't know. Right. So it's not a big deal, and let them keep rocking. And the fact that the player is going to get to play in the majors you saw that? Yeah. I'm cool with it because it's not the PGA Tour. Yeah, that's huge. The majors are not the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is the PGA Tour. And the majors. They're are, their own, like, separate entity? They are. They're their own found. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, it's not yeah. part of the tour. And that's oh. why they get to play. Uh, the PGA Championship is. Correct. But okay. that's it. But, yes. But the Masters isn't. Mm-mm. U.S. Uh, Open. The other. The, uh, the, the Open. other Open. Yeah, I hate that. It's for the British Open. The but British Open. Yeah, I know. the Open. <laughs> But, you know, there was like a big struggle there. Like, let's call it the open. Let's call it the. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How do you say the? And the. the, the, the. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, not a big deal. And it's it's making the PGA better already. And I do like that. All right, next question. Going to the NBA here. From 1 to 10, 10 being the most confident. What is your confidence level in the Lakers making the playoffs after LeBron's injury? The The terrible timing. Because he ain't coming back for, I don't know the latest today, but yesterday they were saying weeks. Mm-hmm. And you know how long the season is until the playoffs? 
weeks. They mm-hmm. can't really afford to lose a bunch of games. Um, where are they now? They were at 11 the last time I looked. So it sometimes teams actually play better for a minute when they lose a star. And the Lakers have enough good players, but they have to win a bunch more games than they should. Meaning, with a team they have now without LeBron, could they go over 500? Yeah. From the, if the beginning of the season, could they pop in the 10 spot? Yeah, probably. But they don't. They have a few, a finite amount of games to win way more than 500 to climb up and get in the 10, the play-in tournament. So it's going to be tough. I'm still betting on them, mostly because I already did. I have to stick with it now. Right, right, right. You can't cash <laughs> But out. I'm going to go with the Lakers make it. Where are they now? They're at 12. They're a half 12. game out of 11. What are they out of 10, though? One game out of 10. And their schedule is a lot of playoff teams coming up. I was looking at it. It's a lot of teams that are good. It's doable, but LeBron's such a leader. I just don't. I don't know. And then you know, with unless his, they hate him and they're like, "Let's go show." That's him. true. Which you <laughs> never know what they're really thinking. Mm-hmm. But if Anthony Davis cannot get injured, he gets injured every two weeks. It seems like. But LeBron's ankle, or whatever his foot or whatever, I saw it on his Instagram. He's like, "This sucks." Mm-hmm. It does suck. I believe he really thought he. And I believed he could come in and they could actually make the playoffs. That's why I bet it. <laughs> All right. Next question. Looking to end the longest postseason drought in major sports, what do you think the Sacramento Kings ceiling is? The last I looked, the Kings were third or fourth in the West. And I, when I pulled up the Kings last night to just look at it, just where they were financially as well, who do you think makes the most money on that Kings team? It's got to be De'Aaron Fox. It Fox. is? Yeah, good, good job, guys. $28 bucks a year. Go ahead after that. I don't even <laughs> Yeah, I have to look at the roster, dude. Let's be real. There is well, one. <laughs> so the, the, the guys that you would know from the team, like Sabonis, yeah. who's, yes, who's sure. played pretty well, um, he makes $18 million a year, but not not the most. Um, you would also know probably Harrison Barnes. He makes $18 million oh, yeah. a year after that. They sneakily get up on you with a few really good players. Uh, Malik Monk, who went to Kentucky, went to the Lakers, mm-hmm. now with the Kings, makes $9 million bucks. Delvadova, is that where he's at now? Yeah. Wow. Like sneakily, uh, yeah, they're gonna make. I think they can win a series. I think they can win a series. I don't think they can win two. It's a team that I root for, and I look to see if they won every night because the Kings are supposed to suck, and they have really, really good guard play. All right, so I'm gonna go. They can. Their ceiling is winning one series. Okay. You still watching a lot of league pass? Uh, some I. Now that college basketball games are happening all the time, and the games are getting bigger, I will always defer the college basketball games. Yeah, me too. And so not as much now, but I try to keep up with it as much as possible. It's just, it's so much all the time. It really is. And if you're not playing fantasy basketball, which I d- used to do, <laughs> it's hard to keep up with everybody. Mm-hmm. But I'm in on the Lakers because I bet on them. And then when I'm ready for the Suns, let's see what happens. They're not even the favorite, which Denver's the favorite in the West. The Denver's the favorite to win the whole thing. And Did that change Between recently? a lot of people. I thought that changed recently. Denver... I saw Suns like last week. Suns were in, in really, the lead. yeah. Maybe I just read too many articles where they're like, "We picked Denver," but between Denver and then the East, Boston, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, and then maybe Phoenix. You know, Golden State's interesting when they they get back and they're all healthy because it's the same team as last year. But I do think the Kings can win a series. All right, what else you got? Going to the NFL here. Do you believe the Anthony Richardson hype about being the next Josh Allen or no? They can't say this now. And three weeks ago, they were saying he's so raw. He'll, he won't be able to perform year one or year two. But as the draft gets closer, all these stories, these narratives come out because they're trying to affect people's drafting up or down. So no. But also, 
They're like, Levy's is the next Josh Allen. Anybody that just lowers their shoulder occasionally gets called the next Josh Allen. <laughs> right. yeah. Like, if you can run for more than a quarterback sneak, <laughs> you're Josh Allen. And you're large in stature, you're Josh Allen. And so, no, I think he, it'd be best for him to go to a team that later in the draft actually has a quarterback and he can sit for a couple of years. I mean, imagine, or like the Raiders draft him, but they don't play him, right? They're able to get Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Or they're able to get Jimmy Garoppolo, and he can come in for two years. Imagine if Anthony Richardson under Aaron Rodgers, when you know he's going to be there two years, wherever he goes, two, maybe three, if he doesn't retire. That's the perfect situation. Yeah, that's the way to do it. My home's did like that, that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was he behind? Think about he it. He was hurt. He's hurt for a while. He Alex like, Smith. That's right. One of the yeah. most the craziest comebacks ever. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Next one. If you were the Dolphins, how hesitant would you be to pick up Tua's fifth-year option? I, I wouldn't. You can't cut bait. Not now. Yes, a lot of concussions. Even if he never plays again, you can't. Quarterbacks are so hard to get. Even medium skill quarterbacks are so hard to get. You can't cut the fifth year now. You've already got him. He's part of the team. He's part of the culture. I don't think for any reason whatsoever do you just say, nah, we're good. You've invested so much in him. Worst case is he never plays. He comes and he signs the fifth year or you make him sign the fifth year and he doesn't play. That's worst case. Except for worser case, when you don't sign it, it goes to play somebody else and wins a freaking championship. Mm-hmm. That would be miserable. Uh, so, yes, I think you do. What, do you think they shouldn't offer him the fifth year? No. But who, I, I, but who else are they going to get, though? Yeah. They have to have another quarterback come in. Yeah, and then the whole thing is, too, you look at Daniel Jones this year. Now he's looking to make 35 to $45 million. You don't want to pay that. You'll pay $23 million on that fifth year instead of that 35 to 45 So Well, you wouldn't sign him to a new deal. Exactly. You just have that option. Right. So you you have the luxury, and then I'm sure that they can put something in his contract if you're un- unable to play because of concussions, injuries, or whatever. We negate the whole thing. Well, his most, agent, I don't think his agent it. would allow yeah, that. I wouldn't. But still. You can't, it wouldn't be also the fifth year is not a new contract. It's an extension of a contract. So you're not really going to put a bunch of new terms in there as much as it is you're going to sign the fifth year of this because we have the option mm-hmm. to keep you here. I would sign him in a heartbeat, even if he never plays. You just don't want him going somewhere else. And it's just so hard to get quarterbacks. Unless you have a quarterback ready to go. Unless you have a car, even a Jimmy G. Yeah. But for Matt Ryan, no, I'm going to keep him. I'm going to keep him. What else? I like that. Last one. In honor of the Combine, what do you think you could run a 40 in right now? Oh, gosh. Eh. What's, like, the average? Well, let me pick yours, Eddie. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. Like where I think you'd probably run a five five or a five six right now. Yeah, you see us doing sprints. Yeah, and that's we, like we, we run. our sprints are not forties. They're like what, twenties? Yeah, they're just we're getting loose. So we do a fifty percent, a seventy five percent sprint, and then four eighty ninety hundred for about twenty twenty five yards. Yeah, yeah, I would say you're about a five 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 six guy. I'll take it, man. But you don't that. know what that's compared to. Ah, but I like it. It sounds good. I do a forty and five five. <laughs> I love how that that's sounds. That's like a really big lineman. Oh, really? Yeah. That's not fast then. Dang. Well, okay. no, but you're not fast, and neither am I. We're men in our 40s that aren't athletes anymore. Hey, but you know what, though? When we do the sprints, we sound fast. <laughs> I love doing that grunting, dude. I don't grunt. I go like this. <laughs> you do. You do that. That's me coming off the line. I was going to say, is that you flying by? No, I don't know no, what that sounds he, like. That's when he takes off. I'm like, oh. Yeah. When he off. flies by, it sounds like this. <laughs> mm, that's good. <laughs> that was good. I'm yeah. going to put... Eddie get a 5'6". Five, 5'5", five, five, you said. Let's five, see Okay, 5'5". Five, five. Five, five. I'm going to put Kevin at like a 5'1". Nice. Oh, I got to get under 5. No way. There's, you can't get a 4'9". Not now. You're too old. Yes. You're too old. Yes. You're, uh, you want to fly? 
You want to wager? <laughs> you want to fly on the street? You want to go like to the At alley? some point, we can do it, but we need to wager now so you don't go test yourself and then come for the bet. Touche. Would it have to be on the street like in regular shoes? Of can I run on grass? You know, or you can track? Run wherever, bro, you run wherever you want. Well, well you're telling me we're going to do all this go to a field? No, let's just do it in the alley. We, we could do it on the street. We could do it wherever. You could go somewhere. And, nah, we have somebody has to go with you. Yeah, who's timing? Somebody. Okay. One of us. I think I could get under five. Okay, so here's what I'll do. I will put one hundred dollars up. You don't have to put any money up. I'll put a hundred bucks of my money up versus if you can't, you have to shave all your face. Oh no, 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 no. I've seen pictures of you. Clean. No, I don't. It's a hundred bucks. Clean versus clean. If you think you can get it, why does it matter? You're not shaving. Anyway. <laughs> it's just shaving, no, dude. I've never seen you without no, a beard. No. It's gonna be weird and gross. But go ahead. Uh, I had a beard most. Of, I, I've only had the beard for about a year and a half or so. No, I'm good. It's confidence went away so quickly. Well, because oh, that takes mu- months to grow. Hey, oh, but you're not gonna lose. Tyree Kill all of a sudden ain't so cheetah anymore, is he? <laughs> I'd rather throw a hundred bucks out there than shave the beard. Oh, I go hundred against you. You sure, have to. Hit a, you have to hit a four nine nine. Okay. You wanna go hundred on hundred? Yeah. Okay, we'll do it at some point coming up. We're going to go to, you know, we do the L.A. stuff, and then we'll come back. Love it. No yeah. training in between then. Okay. No, you can train all you want, buddy. Right. Get out there, let it rip. Okay. For, no chance he gets a 499. Nah, there's a little chance, because he's still kind of athletic looking. You had him at 5'1"? Yeah. Ooh, dude, watch you nail it. We time him, it's exactly 5'1". Do you think I can outrun Kevin? Yes. Because I don't, I, don't I, I don't know if I can, and I don't think I can break five. Not now. It's tough. I've seen you run. I've not seen Kevin run. Kevin's so. definitely bigger, like, muscular. But I'm wiry, and I feel like I'd have a shot at beating you in a sprint. I don't think I could beat five. It's going to, yeah, that'd be tough. If I could get, if it was, like, longer, it's easier for me with the longer strides. I'm not very quick, but. Well, that's what a 40 is. I know, I know. Quick, it's 40. Quickness. We're not doing a 400. No, I know. I know. <laughs> He's like, oh, not a marathon? Oh. Okay. Uh, Maybe it's just my, I don't know. We're, I we're on. I think I'm 20. We're on for the battle. Okay. It. All right. Uh, what's up? The commanders are obviously selling the team, right? And now there's big drama yeah. with the team, obviously, because Dan Snyder's not going to go down yeah. without drama. And did they get rid of Wentz? Well, they did. They, yeah, they sure did. That picture of him in the Letterman jacket popped up on my feed, and I was like, why is this popping up again? It was like Carson Wentz mm. and the commanders have parted ways. The federal probe into Snyder and the commanders has reportedly focused its attention on a $55 million loan that was taken out 16 months prior to the team's financial report. And... It's just, it looks like financial, it's not a crime. I don't know if it's a crime, but it looks like something somebody's doing because they know they can do it before they're found out what they're really doing. Mm. Like, well, I can still get this money. I'm going to try to get it because once this all comes out, I ain't going to be able to get it. Or I'm going to get it and stick it to whomever because they're going to make me sell the team and they're also going to have to pay this money back that I'm getting. That took out the team's name. But I don't know. Dan Snyder, just she's all, it's, that's what it is. It's always something. I'd want him out. Always. I'd want, I'd want him out. Like crazy. Um, so Coleman with UAB coach Andy Kennedy. We'll come back and do a little more as well. Coach Kennedy, I want to get started a little bit with your playing career. 1,787 points. Be honest with me. Who had more game in college, you or Jelly Walker? Different types of games. Uh, I didn't have that wiggle or that bounce. I think, I think Jelly is one of, if not the best player, most definitely under six feet tall in college basketball is ability to go make plays off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Great space, he can shoot it. 
uh, deep, deep, deep off the valves. He can get in the mid-range, and he's gotten really good at efficient and getting to the free throw line. I was a little different. Six foot seven, I could play over the top. I tore my ACL back in the old days when you had to sit out. Remember those days? <laughs> you probably don't as young as you are, but back in the old days when you transferred, I had, I had to sit out, and in my sit-out year, I ended up tearing my ACL. So I played my whole career here uh, after coming off a, a torn ACL. I could really shoot it, uh, and my size helped me play over the top of some people. Right. Take me through a little bit of your pro career, what you learned playing ball overseas. My my first year, when, when I was coming out, it was the first year that the draft got reduced from three rounds to two rounds. Back in the day, it used to be like six, and then they cut it to four, then they cut it to three. My year out was the first year they cut it to two. Okay. Uh, undrafted, uh, had an opportunity to play in the Chicago pre-draft camp, played in the Portsmouth PIT. Uh, then had opportunities to go and be with different teams. I was with the Charlotte Hornets briefly, no guaranteed money. And even if it was guaranteed, back in those days, it wasn't a whole lot of money. Uh, had the opportunity to go overseas, bounced around a number of different places, owed money in about seven different countries, if you know any <laughs> yeah. good lawyers on there. <laughs> this was pre-FIBA where it was like legit, you know, uh, they would uh, they, they would they would pay you when they wanted to pay you. Uh, but had a good experience, ended up tearing my right ACL. I had, uh, I've had six total knee operations, but, but my last one is I tore my right ACL by playing in the summer league in Puerto Rico. Uh, and that I lost a step I could no longer afford to lose. So uh, that is when I segued into coaching. Okay. Uh, fast forwarding a little bit to you at Cincinnati. What was it like being thrown in, getting your first head coaching gig, granted with the interim status, but being thrown into the Big East as your first head coaching Yeah, it job? was really surreal. I remember this. Um, it was the first year that Cincinnati, along with Louisville, Marquette, DePaul, a number of other people were leaving and going into the Big East. Uh, that league was a really good league. That was the old Conference USA, and there were six bids out of that league. People can't remember that. There were six bids out of that league in the final year of, of, of being together. Uh, we go to the Big East, so we go to the Big East uh, preseason tip-off, the media gala, and they brought all the teams together, and we actually had a team picture. So here I am. I have never coached in any level. I've never called a timeout at any level, and I'm standing next to Rick Patino and Jay Wright and Jim Calhoun and Jim Beheim. John Beeline was at West Virginia. Tom Cream was at Mar- I mean, it was like it was like somebody somebody self-imposed my picture, and there was like some kind of gag, right? Yeah. So it, it was it was really a crazy year. I got I got great love for Cincinnati, a great basketball town, um, and and they really supported us when I was there with Hugs, and they ended up supporting me through my one year there. Uh, funny how things work out. You know, one day I'm coaching uh, Cincinnati, and uh, 24 hours later I'm the head coach at Ole Miss. Right. Take me through your first NCAA tournament, babe. What did it mean to you? 2013 been the first time in 11 years the Ole Miss have been to the NCAA tournament. What did that mean for you the first time getting over the hump? Too well, thankfully, we didn't have to wait to see whether or not we made it in. We captured the automatic bid by, right. by beating uh, Florida in the SEC championship game. So we knew coming in uh, we were going to be in the tournament. We didn't know against whom or where. We ended up playing Bo Ryan and the Wisconsin Badgers. Having, we beat them and had an opportunity. We're one defensive stop away from making a run in the Sweet 16. So um, I had a great 12 years there. you got to remember, I grew up in Mississippi, so coaching the flagship university in your home state for 12 years, uh, pretty ideal. What's it mean to you to be that program's all-time leader in wins at a Power 6 program in the SEC? What's that mean? I just think that it, it proves that I was there a long time. You know, yeah. I was able to stay ahead of the curve. You know, there were many times where 
they had handed me the blindfold and I had the cigarette and I was walking the plank. They just didn't quite light it until 2018. But I had, I had a great run there, a lot of great memories. Take me through what it was like being named the head coach of your alma mater here. You no, know, this was so weird. I, 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 I was at Ole Miss from 06 to 18. My deal ended in 18. I've got two daughters. One of them was a was a junior at Samford University, which is a private school here in town. Mm -hmm. And my youngest, when we moved to Oxford, she was going into the first grade. Again, my deal ends in March. In May, she graduated high school, so I never had to move her, which was a tremendous blessing. Probably my biggest accomplishment as a coach. That's I didn't awesome. have to uproot my children. Yeah. Uh, and so when, when it ended, we could have moved anywhere in the country, and we said, well, I knew at the time I was going to do TV. I wasn't looking to get right back into coaching. I needed to exhale a little bit. Uh, and we thought about a number of different places, but Birmingham was always home away from home. I graduated here. My wife graduated from here. Uh, our daughter was at Sanford. Our youngest was going to be at Auburn. So it just made a lot of sense logistically. I had no idea or, or, or vision of one day becoming the coach here. Two years later, COVID strikes, very bizarre time. And on top of that, I was afforded the opportunity to come home. How do you, before you guys win uh, that tournament final and punch your bid to the dance last year, how do you calm your guys down following a triple triple overtime semifinal win over Middle Tennessee State to then focus on the task at hand of winning the next day? Well, that's just what the game dictates. You know, you just, you just have to you have to get to the next one. And our guys were really excited. We're really excited about Frisco this year. We've got three more games that we need to we need to finish up strong in order to put ourselves in bye territory. Uh, but last year, going into Frisco. Uh, no disrespect to North Texas, who won the regular season and won it convincingly. We felt like we were the best team, and we, we used the, the tournament to go and to prove just that. And I know our guys have similar sentiments this year. What was that feeling like, punching your ticket to the dance here for your alma mater? Oh, it was great. You know, it's the first time since 15 that, that UAB had been to the tournament. Uh, great pride in this program. What Gene Bartow did, I had the opportunity to play and learn from the founding father of UAB Athletics. Uh, and I have seen this this building when it's on fire, both as a player and as an assistant coach when I was here working for uh, Gene's son, Murray, in the mid-90s. So I know what this thing is capable of. I know this is a great basketball community. we just got to get them a product to be excited about, and we've got to produce between the lines. We've been pretty good, 22-7 and seven our first year, 27-8 and eight last year, sitting at 28, 20-8 as we speak with three to go to, to get to the tournament. You bring in the Brewers this offseason out of East Tennessee State. You bring in a couple SEC transfers also the year prior, bringing in KJ, bringing in Jelly out of the transfer portal. How have you been able to utilize it so successfully, A? And then B, how do you get guys to gel together that quickly? Well, uh, you know, we, 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 I'm glad you didn't talk about all the ones I missed on because <laughs> you certainly there's going to be a hit and miss in this, and it's got to make the, the, a lot of sense. I have really learned over the two years that we have really thrust ourselves into the portal, uh, I've learned a lot along the way and some things that I'm going to do different moving forward. Uh, when you bring in kids, especially uh, older kids that have been to multiple schools, it takes a little longer than you might imagine to get everybody to understand this is what is expected here, this is our path to success, and this is your role in that path. Uh, and you're going to go through some ups and downs. We've certainly done that this year. We've lost five conference games by a total of 11 points, three of which in overtime. So 
you know, we're sitting here 20 and 8, which a lot of people would, would take today, uh, but we felt like we still left a lot of fruit on the vine. Right, to that point, Coach, take me through a little bit in January where you go through that lull, lose, I think, five of six, four of those by one possession games. How do you rally the troops to have done what you've done now and won seven of your last days? Well, you've got to learn from it. I, I'm not one to believe that, that you need a loss to get your attention, but sometimes, as kids, maybe you do. Uh, we were going through a lot at that time. We were losing close games. We were being inconsistent. One night it was our defense. The next night we have 22 turnovers. The next night we can't make a shot. It was just a lot of different things. And then Jelly goes down. Mm -hmm. I know as, as we were losing these close games as a coach, you certainly know you have to make adjustments. But at the same time, you're losing by one, two points. So obviously not everything is broken. You just need to make adjustments. Then Jelly goes down against Western Kentucky, so everything changed. Because as you well know, I think he's seventh or eighth in the country in usage uh, here. Uh, so we put him in a position where a lot of things are, are designed around him. He missed five games, and then that five, we had to dramatically shift what we were doing on both ends of the floor. But as a result of that, it allowed guys like Ty Brewer, like L.A. Brewer, to expand their roles, and they really flourished in that. So now that we're back whole, Jelly's back whole, our team's back whole, I hope we're ready to play our best basketball this season. Right. For that question, are you guys playing your best basketball you feel right now leading into Frisco? No, there's still a lot of things that we need to improve upon, ball security, sense of urgency, but as now we've got two weeks left in the regular season prior to March Madness. I hope our guys have the vision and the awareness now it's now or never. Mm -hmm. What is the X factor that you all need to do this exceptionally well in order to win three straight in Frisco? Well, for us, it's just about being the best version of self. We have a formula that we know how we can be successful. We've got to be disciplined enough to stay to that point. Thank you so much for your right. time today, Coach Kennedy. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So we're recording this part at a slightly different time. And I'm going to talk about the, the whole Rich Eisen experience. But I was, I don't know where I was, if I was there, if I was still in the hotel or... And I see Eddie is playing golf. It I don't, I don't like phone. that. I hate that. Like the fact that I, I feel like it's a stalker app in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like what? I'm living my life, bro. Like, and you're like always like playing golf, huh? So jealous. Well, I just wish I was playing <laughs> golf and I understand I would be playing golf too if I were you, but it's like Eddie is playing golf. Where'd you play? I played at a Muni municipal co course with Kevin. Kevin and I played together. Yeah. Huh. Well, I. Uh, How'd you shoot? How'd everybody do? Uh, we did all right. I mean, you know, it's like what my third round back, like playing. Back, you're not coming off an ACL injury, buddy. You, <laughs> you just, know, season play for a few weeks. Uh, pretty good. I shot 88. Not bad. Okay. And Kevin, how'd you play? Did you play with uh, Eddie's old clubs again until you get new ones? Yeah, I did. I I did so well that I didn't even keep score because I just didn't even want to yeah. beat them that bad. You know, it was one of those kind of days. So it was great. I, f I felt that. Yeah, I, I texted Eddie and I was like, hey, well, what's up? Playing golf, buddy. And he goes, leave me alone. I'm listening to a podcast. <laughs> a very was, important podcast. Yeah, it was rich. And then I found out he left me as Chewy in his phone, which I think you may have told me that once, uh -huh. but I didn't remember. And what does Chewy mean? Is that just a name? It's just a random name because in case I lose my phone or it gets stolen, they don't have like, oh, look, it's Bobby Bones number. You know what I mean? I don't have famous people's numbers on my phone. So that's the one that they would be like, wow, let's like FaceTime Bobby Bones. It's crazy. But then we'd know who stole your phone and I wish they would do that. So then we could catch them because I'd screenshot it real that's quick, you know? That's true, yeah. You should just put my name in as FaceTime Bobby Bones whenever you see this, he's ready for you. Hey, you and know that what, way, yeah. You know what's stupid about Chewy though? It's, it's the name is Chewy, but the face on it is you. And I don't know how that happened. I guess it's like something that you send to your contacts, like to use. 
Oh, it probably says, do you want to use the picture that they uh -huh. want to use? So it says Chewy, but it's yeah. your face. So it makes no sense. Well, uh, we're in Los Angeles today. I'm going to tell you, last night we flew for four and a half hours. I was exhausted because I worked all day. Knew I had to do the show this morning that in the Eisen show. And the internet was out. And I couldn't believe it for four and a half hours. And I know there are other problems in the world. Not many. Not many as bad as that, really. I mean, no. look at the world and all the problems. Sure. Very few are bigger than me not having internet for four and a half hours. <laughs> let's be honest. But... The fact that Al Gore was on my plane too. So you was weren't joking hilarious about that. to me. No, I have pictures of it. That's crazy. He stood up and he was like, he's so, he, listen, we're all getting older. I think Fleetwood Mac said it, said it best. Or maybe not just, maybe what, that wasn't Fleetwood Mac. Which one? Was she solo then or was that just Fleetwood Mac? Sing it. Times get older, children get older, now getting older too. Yeah, that's Fleetwood. That's Fleetwood. Which we want to play it. It is? Okay. So he looked really old. All that to say, he looked really old. <laughs> but he is old. <laughs> he is old, but Al Gore was on the plane. Al Gore was on the flight. Uh, Derek Huff was on the flight. And first of all, I walked into the airport and I see this really cool red jacket. That's what sticks out to me. I love red. I love red everything. I was like, damn, that jacket's cool. This girl was wearing this red jacket, and I was like, man, I should like, take a picture of that jacket because I would wear it. And I didn't take a picture of the jacket because I didn't want to think I was creepy. And it ended up being when I walked up closer to them beside him was Casey Musgraves. So then I'm glad I didn't take the picture at all because I don't want her thinking I was taking a picture of her. I don't want to be lunchbox. <laughs> who takes right. pictures of people everywhere exactly. he goes. So I text Mike, and I say, Casey Musgraves is uh, here in the airport. Maybe she's you know flying with us. Heads up. And Mike's like, Derek Cuff's on the plane already. And I was like, dang, we're getting on a celebrity flight because we're going to L.A., you know? That's mm -hmm. crazy. Uh, turns out. Musgraves was not on the flight because I saw her turn into the Delta, like a hoity-toity lounge, which I'll admit, I go to the hoity-toity lounge sometimes too, but I didn't have time on this day. And then I get on, I didn't see Derek Huff anywhere. And Derek Huff was not in first class. Oh. Can you believe it? Yeah, I believe it. I oh, mean, what, yeah, oh, because like, what's, what is first class? You pay extra to get your drink first before everyone else. And no, you, you, no, fuck it, Eddie. I'll, yeah. I'll, I was in first class, so shut your oh. mouth. And second of all, <laughs> but you didn't pay for that. There's no way you pay for first class. I know that. I did. You did? That's shocking. Well, the the deal that I well, it's a four and a half hour flight. It's yeah. about the only time I'll do it yeah. because it's just so long. And the fact that we were flying all the way here, and I paid for it. Otherwise, when I fly first class, whomever I'm working for pays for it. It's in a contract. Right. But I wouldn't let Rich pay me for this. He just donated to the animal shelter charity. So I all this is out of pocket. Flying out here, hotels. I brought my the girl that does my hair and makeup for TV shows. Like mm -hmm. all this is just me paying for it out of my pocket because I just this was super cool to get to do and get invited to do. And so that was it. Got here, was exhausted. I'm like, okay, I can't wait for my phone to blow up with all my cool text messages for the last four and a half hours. You know that feeling when you're like, I've been disconnected for a while. I'm about to see all the cool things I missed. Man, yeah. people are going to be missing me. I'm going to get funny stuff. They're going to be probably offers to do cool stuff. And I get in and it's like one message from like a rental car place going, hey, we have your car here ready when you get down. I'm like, That's it? That's four it. and a half hours? That was it? And so um, get in, go to sleep and wake up this morning you know, do the show, and then we have an hour in between before we go do the Rich Eisen show. I did a lot of notes last night and went in, and I was a little nervous because, like, I think being nervous for something that you enjoy, like, that's healthy because it's worth something to you. It means something to you. And so I was a little nervous, and we go, and I didn't know any of the guys that run the Rich Eisen show except for when I listen on the podcast. And so we walk in, we get a quick tour 
But like I'd mentioned before, when Rich Eisen called me, he was like, do this show however you want to do it. Like, we're not bringing you in so you can run down the you know, the, the roads that I've paved. Like, come in. Obviously, there'll be like clocks and you got to get out at certain times. And But he's like, don't just do what you want to do. And so I was like, dang, okay. And there's not the, the the kind of the flexibility to, well, I got to pee. Let me play a song. Because sometimes on our show, we'll play a song. Sometimes we won't for a long time. But if I got to pee or I want to get something to eat real quick, I'll just hit a three-minute Tyler Farr song, you know, and get the heck out of there. <laughs> Tyler <laughs> and, Farr. <laughs> so, but there's not that. It's three hours, no no songs, nothing. And the breaks aren't any longer than two minutes or so because there are times when we're on TV that we're not on radio. Mm-hmm. So I never got to go to the bathroom. I didn't know that or I would have squeezed it out a little. I'd, I'd, I'd have like wrung out the washer rag a little more before I out went the into the three hours, studio, you didn't know? go to the restroom? Not three hours. Wow, I couldn't. I didn't have time. That's tough, but, man. The studio's massive. It's awesome. They have a putting green in there. They've got huge monitors. The, I mean, it's way bigger than I thought it was going to be. Because most studios you go into, you're like, oh, this is really small. And why it looks so big is because there are camera angles yeah. that shoot from different sides. Therefore, it makes it look much grander. And went in, sat at the desk. It's like, dang, this is cool. It's about to happen. A little nervous, but in a very, very healthy way, because I never feel that way anymore. And I get excited when I get to. And they were like, all right, here we go. Three, two. And it's like, the Rich Eisen Show. And here's your guest host, Bobby Bones. And away I went. And I kind of blinked and it was over three hours later. But some of the cool stuff was the fact that Craig Kilborn said yes to come on the show immediately. I mean, he was like, yeah, I'll be there. No problem. I'd love to do it. I did his podcast. And I definitely don't think he owed me, but I think, you know, we, we don't tell, I don't have his number. But we DM an okay amount. And Craig Kilborn to me is like one of the guys that was like, oh, there's an example of somebody who got in at sports, but then it was also funny enough to do the Daily Show on Comedy Central and then did a late night talk show. Like there really aren't any restraints. If you don't allow them, there aren't any. And I've kind of been doing my career the same way. And so that was super cool that he came in. I never met him before. He was 6'5". It's stupid. He's (laughs) 6'5". It's stupid. I didn't know he was that tall. And he's super cool, super nice, even during the break. Super dry, sense of humor. Uh, I kept him on for an extra segment. And that was a real highlight for me. Coleman came on the show today, which I was talking to Mike. And I said, hey, we're really building this resume up for old Coleman. I know. I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> Thank, he's, you. Thank you. Like when he leaves this show, he's going to have been on the Eisen show. He's got all these interviews with coaches. I mean, it's awesome to see Coleman like really thrive. And we had Coleman on today for a little bit. How would you feel about it, Coleman? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, thank you guys so much for the opportunity um, but yeah, just more exposure and more to add to the resume, like you said. He's like, I thought I was talking to Rich. Even Coleman's upset. <laughs> he's, he's like, Yeah, I was going pissed. on the show, but there was a guest host. He's like, Well, I talked to him every day. <laughs> you know how you so, said how you were uh, jealous of me playing golf? Let me. I got a little bit of jealousy too, because when the show started, it was almost like you know the late show of just like or SNL, or like and the guests. Coleman Crawley is like college <laughs> basketball expert Coleman Crawley. I'm like, man, we just met him like two months ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just driving around, didn't have a job awesome. at all. Now all of a sudden he's college basketball expert on the awesome. national radio show. Yeah, it was really yeah, good. Yeah, thank you guys for lying okay, stop about thanking me. Us. And, stop and thanking us, dude. You're part of us. Making me to be better than I am. No, no. You have to stop thanking us. You're one of us. So you have to bust our balls and be like, why okay. did I get more okay. air time? Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, we had, we're going to have Joe Lenardi on because I thought it'd be a great time to have him on today too. And he heard Coleman was coming on. I was like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> um, so, he was like, who? <laughs> yeah, Lenardi. 
pretty, I don't know what happened. Something personal happened and he mm-hmm. had to back out. But, and I think they were putting guests on the show a bit as like a safety net because they didn't know what I was going to do. And also, I feel like the guys on the show, as awesome as they were, they didn't know me. And they didn't know, and they have their set guest host that come in for the most, most part. And all of a sudden, here's this guy who doesn't even work like in sports as a full time job. And he's coming in and he's going to host for two days. And is, I feel the same way. I'd be like, what? all right, what's happening mm-hmm. here? But about 15 minutes into the first hour, I could feel, even though they were all super nice, even to begin with and welcoming, I could feel it. Just them go, okay. All right, he's for real. He's not just, just here because he knows somebody or he's big in this other part of the industry. And then it turned out to be really good. I was just three hours. I was pretty proud of it. I haven't listened to it. I won't, I won't listen to it. I got some pictures I'll look at, but other than that, it was a really positive experience. Eddie, how much did you listen to on the podcast? I listened to the first hour and half of the second hour. I haven't gotten to um, Craig Kilborn or any of that yet, which I will later. But I got to say, dude, like it, it was very natural. It was almost like me just listening to you do this or any anything else you do. You were very natural on the show. And I felt, again, a little jealous because you vibed with those guys so well. I was just uh-huh. like, well, <laughs> you didn't need me or Kevin anymore. Like. <laughs> I forgot to tell you, I have a new best friend. His name's Chris. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's awkward. Uh, it was cool, but, though, dude. It was cool listening to you on there. And, and again, it was just very comfortable for you. And I enjoyed it. It was almost like I was just driving from the golf course to my house and listening like, eh, it's pretty cool. Like, it feels like I'm just listening to Bobby on any other, you know, normal thing. Yeah, it was fun. It was cool. We have one more day. By the time you guys hear this, the second day may be over. Um, but... Yeah, super fun. I don't really get to do a lot of things just because I want to do them, meaning they're so fun that I will put everything else kind of on hold. But this is one of them, and, and it was worth it. And, and I was a little, I won't say unsure, but I was a little, hmm, what would be a good word I would use? I wasn't, well, I was going to say I wasn't sure, but that would be unsure, huh? So I wasn't <laughs> sure how going three hours nonstop, no no commercial breaks over three minutes. How much material that is to fill in sports. Because yeah. if we do our morning show, bro, I, I can go in and I have enough for a whole five-hour show, plus I got another two. But also I can go pee when I need to mm-hmm. and go and grab something to eat. And so a little bit I was intimidated by just the sheer amount of minutes that you don't leave at all. And yeah, it's pretty good. By about two hours and 20 minutes or so, I was like, all right, I'm feeling a little fatigued, but Craig Kilborn was coming on. And I was like, man, it's awesome. And if he's cool, we're going to go two segments. So that was a, a super fun experience. Well, uh, Coleman, where did you do your, your call-in from? Uh, actually, I stayed at a kid's house from Liberty. So he's an ex-Liberty grad that huh? went to the uh, <laughs> Liberty the game crap? that I was at previously. And so I stayed at his place. He's living in Charlotte. But he didn't come with me to the game. Craigslist misconnection or what? How'd you meet him? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I've had a few people DM me about wanting their school represented. He was one of them that was consistent about it. So when I came to the Liberty game, they hooked me up, rolled out the red carpet for me, basically. And then when I posted my future schedule of being in Charlotte, he was like, hey, I live in Charlotte. You want to crash at my place for a couple of days. So that's what I've done. (laughs) Okay, I need to say something, everybody. Uh, Just relax for a second as I say a prayer. Dear God, Bobby here. Uh, thank you for not letting Coleman get murdered because a lot of people will say somebody they meet online and they continue to go, Hey, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. That would be a stalker or a murderer. Uh, but Coleman didn't see it as that. He saw it as just a place to crash. So we'd like to thank you for uh, blessing us with Coleman again today, because 
probably 99 out of 100. Uh, that he that guy'd have an extra couple kidneys to donate or to sell in the black market. I mean, right. I think it's and even hey, Coleman, it's I'm a praying. prayer. Coleman, Sorry. I interrupted the prayer. Golly, like anyway, my thank, kids. You, Lord, oh, thank you, Lord, for letting us do this show and for letting me have a good lunch and have a good Rich Eisen show today and for letting Coleman be here safely because it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> All right, in your name, I pray, man. Right, Coleman, amen. amen, amen. Good prayer, Bobby. You, this dude was. You, do you know what you call somebody who you don't know who keeps saying, I want to be your friend over and over and over again, right? Well, I met them at, at the Liberty game. So it wasn't like I just How long? Took, How long did you spend with them? Two hours watching the game with them. You sat beside Felt him like one. I knew the guy well. You sat beside him for a game? Yes. A whole game? Yes. Yeah. And so did you have conversations about, I don't know, his love of murder podcasts or <laughs> we didn't had conversations about his wife his family his time at liberty seemed like a grade a guy that i could go stay at his house you had to sleep at his house you didn't even know that's that is bizarre to me eddie if somebody you met that. once at a basketball game says come sleep at my house over and over again like hey man to me again you want to come sleep at my house hey hey <laughs> I, i've done it I've done it. So, like, <laughs> this is crazy. I went to Arkansas one time, and I went to a bar, and I was either going to pay for a hotel or this guy that I met at the bar, he said, hey, you're just passing through. Just stay at my house. And I what, did. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> it was free, and he didn't kill me. Dude, what was awkward, though, was the morning when I woke up, and he was like, yeah, I live at my parents' house, and they're downstairs, and we oh. all had breakfast. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. This is weird. What oh, is my this? God. Yeah. For sure, there's pictures of your wiener on somebody's phone or the internet probably but there's no face to it it's all good yeah that's a good point <laughs> that's a good point i can't believe you guys would just say how was your how were the accommodations coleman fantastic i mean way too nice for me did he feel like you're kind of famous i to tell you the truth it does feel like that when people approach me that are you know excited at these schools or whatever which is weird because I'm just some random guy that hopped in his car and decided to start recording small mid-major college basketball games. But yeah, I get that feeling a little bit. You deserve it. Good for you. You're putting in the work. You know, Thank eventually you. You. that that luck will run out and you will die a bad we'll get killed. death in your sleep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I need to probably be a little bit more leery, not as naive, but it's gotten me here. Kevin, you ever stayed at anybody's house that you just met randomly that's not a chick? That's what I was just <laughs> trying to think of. I was like, have I done this too? But I... I... Can't think of one. I don't think even all the nights have I I've had out Eddie at a bar, random cities, random states, and I, I don't think countries even. And I don't think <laughs> I've ever even done that. But, but that, you said bones. That's not a chick. What's the difference? Oh, there's a big. Well, difference. there's a there's a big difference, Eddie. Unless well, no, you that, did something not, with that dude. Not that. I'm just saying. Eddie's like, like, what's the difference? I did it with that dude. What you do with, with chicks? Yeah. No, no. I'm just saying, like, you go home with a girl and whatever. That's weird. You don't know him, or you go home yeah, with a guy. But and the just, difference is. And I never, uh, listen, I wasn't cool. And then I was also mature early, but mostly nobody wanted to take me home anyway. <laughs> I never did that, but I would have, I think maybe when I was 22 and been like, wow, this is, this be fun. I was a virgin. I was 22 though. So I probably wouldn't have, but it feels like <laughs> it's a romantic, like thinking back about it. Like you do it because you're like, I want to go and hook up. Right. Mm -hmm. And you guys just did it because you wanted somewhere to sleep. Yeah. It was free. Yeah, exactly. You, Running you low sleep? on funds two months in. Are you really running low? Well, I mean, I think that's you've been a godsend. No, I mean, really, are you running low, low, or are you running low? No, 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 no. I'm not running low, low. But it was nice. It's just like, hey, I'm going to save two hundred bucks over the next two nights. Boom, right, exactly. Now that I completely understand. Now, what about your wife though? Is she like, bro, we we'll run out of money? <laughs> no, 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 no. She she's killing it in her career. So 
She's doing fine. Got you, sugar mama. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, so the experience was super cool. Uh, sports wise, I did watch the first four episodes of Full Swing on Netflix. You guys watch any of that yet? Yeah, I've watched the first two episodes. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've watched the Jordan Spieth journey ends. The Jordan Spieth, the uh, uh, Justin Thomas relationship, and then Brooks Kepka. Which do on Bridge Eisen when you were talking about Brooks Kepka, I'm like, yes, yes, what he's saying, absolutely. After I finished that segment, I felt a little bad because I went hard. No, no, I, like I was it, with you though, dude. You you should have seen me in the car being like, uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like his hair being dyed blonde. <laughs> it was the fact, just how he talked. Everything about him just feels like that's not somebody you really want to be friends with. Like, right. he just didn't seem likable. And then the fact that I know, well, I mean, the staff told me at a hotel with my wife and I were staying at, they were just very, very difficult. Everybody, all. And I was like, I already don't like that too. So I had a, Kind of a preconceived feeling before yeah. I even started it, but yeah, he didn't come off well. No, I know he, they tried to make, make him come off well, like he's being honest, and I didn't like him. Yeah, he was vulnerable, but I mean, he was still kind of like just a a dude you don't want to hang out with. And yeah, his house was pretty his amazing, house. though, dude. How about his house? His house was pretty yeah. sick oh, for sure. Oh. Like, and but also when his wife would even, I, I felt like they're perfect for each other. <laughs> Watching it. I just feel like they're perfect. She's really pretty. Yeah. But I feel like they were they just had that same vibe. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. We're very cool. And you guys aren't. I was surprised. She said that she slid into his DMs. That's how they met. I was like, good for you. Yeah. She's like, ah, I slid into his DMs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know how I feel about that. I guess I feel fine about that. I didn't think anything about that at all. I just imagine guys like that probably have chicks like crazy sliding in their DMs, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I, I think it's good. It's a good show. Made me want to go play golf. And then when I saw Eddie playing golf today, I was like, dang it. He must mm-hmm. have watched Full Swing and been motivated to play. <laughs> That's why I went. Uh, you guys if watch you're going to act. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to throw my opinion in there for the Brooks Kapka stuff. If you're going to act that way, you better continue to dominate. Because well, the he, moment you yeah. stop having success, people are going to hate you. You know, I didn't realize how dominant he was. And I said that even today on the, the Rich Eisen show. I knew he'd won the majors, and I knew, but I didn't realize that he would just kind of show up to the big ones and crush them, and everybody was like, "God dang, he did it again!" Yeah. I thought he win, and he was a semi-consistent winner, and there you go. But this mm-hmm. show is cool in that way because everybody has their own their own little cup they get to put all their stuff in. You get to drink it all at once. The Scotty Scheffler stuff, love Eddie, have you seen that at all? Oh, dude, the Scotty Scheffler, I love it, and I love the the difference between those two. You know, like okay, that's the same episode, then, yeah, right? Same episode. That guy is the exact opposite of Brooks Kepka. Yep. Everything <laughs> like he, about him. Every it's yeah, it's like uh you, you ever see Spy vs. Spy, the old black, the old cartoon where it was like they're like little birds and one's in all black and one's white and mm. it, it was like a complete opposite of oh, each other. Yeah, they that's had like it, long noses. Yes, yeah. that's what it felt like. <laughs> like those two was the exact opposite. Yeah. And I like I didn't realize again that Scheffler had done didn't win at all. Wins one event, which was like the was it the the crazy one in Arizona? Was that the First yeah, one, whatever management. it was. Yeah, it was waste even, management. Okay, so it's just a tour event, a big tour event, not a major. And then goes and is on fire in like the course of three months, maybe goes from 100 to number one. Mm-hmm. He's still on fire. That is wild. Uh, you're going to love the fourth episode. I don't want to kill too much of it here talking with you now, but the fourth episode is Dom, uh, 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 Dahmer. That's what I was saying. It's... Uh... D- 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 John, Damer. John Damer. 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 John Damer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like a crazy dude. Not that crazy on the surface. Yeah. He's like funny and goofy. Yeah. 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 
But he's somebody who, who is real good but doesn't believe in himself, so he does the self-deprecating stuff Okay. to make sure that no expectations put on. I mean, I, I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's real good, and you finish it, and you're like, man, that guy won, has been through it. Hey, did you watch it, Kevin? I did, yeah. I made it up to that episode. That was my last one. You kind of love him, don't you? Yeah, he's definitely my favorite so far in all those episodes because you're just like, come on, man. You just want to root for him, and he's like just a lovable, funny, goofy yeah. guy, but he doesn't believe in himself like you said, and you just want to root for him. He's like the underdog, and you can't help but like him. Really good show. I'm excited to watch the rest of it, even with Ian Poulter. Yeah, what about him? Who, do you want me to talk about it a minute or no? Yeah, yeah talk about it because I've seen the the whole um, the clip, the teaser where he like you know throws something in his locker and he yells or whatever. And then I saw a TikTok video of where they zoomed in and there was a handle of Tito's in his locker. It's like somebody oh, you know somebody watching like, ooh, look at this. Maybe this is why he's pissed off. Well, so he's like 46, so obviously a little older in the golf game. And and they do highlight the fact that it's been crazy. He kept his card for that long. Mm-hmm. Like he's still top whatever gets keeps PGA card, and I know him from his clothes and his pants. I guess I don't really know a lot about him other than I would just see him play sometimes. Meaning, he wasn't somebody who won a bunch of majors. I don't know if he's won a. He used to. He used to be a winner a lot. Uh, No, I don't think he has. No, never won a major. I I can't identify him winning a major, right? But he he would win a lot, Mm -hmm. and in the Ryder Cup, he never lost. He would play against somebody, and, and he never lost. And so this is him being older, his family, and all it really was was a vehicle to show you somebody who decided to go over and play at live, mm-hmm. like live golf. And I didn't hate, I didn't hate him after it. How much of this have you seen, uh, Coleman? Oh, none. Okay, that's why I was saying I can't wait for this journey to end so I can start that. I didn't hate him after it because he was like, "Hey, look," this, and they spent a bunch of time showing his family and his kids, and mm-hmm. he doesn't qualify to go play the masters and he's struggling a bit and they come and they offer millions of bucks. And well, also what I was a little surprised by, I think they said after 30 years of playing golf professionally around 30, that he, or maybe 26 years, he had only made $50 million. Now when I say only, I know 50 million bucks is a lot, but 25 years, let's say 25 at 50 million is 2 million a year. And I know him as far as like, he's famous enough that I would know his face. Yeah. And as much as he's having to pay in to travel to all these places, he's not making big time golf for money. It never has. 50 million is a bunch, but over 25 years when you're a very known face and person in the PGA, I just would have expected it to be a lot more. But those are winnings though, right? Those are winnings. Yes. Not saying that he's not making decent money too also with X, Y, and Z when it comes to sponsors. But also, I don't think he's making massive sponsor money either unless it's like in the UK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I got to go play live. I don't, I'm not making that much money anymore. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, I, you know, people say, hey, like, don't you have enough money? And he goes, you know, it's all relative. And I just want to make sure everybody's set up for a while. And so I'm going I'm to go play. And he went and played. And he's on live. And I didn't hate him for it. Honestly, after I finished it, I was like, you know, I, I'd hope to think I wouldn't have played in that league. And after watching them talk about that league a little more, I think I like, I never liked it. I think I feel a little stronger that it sucks <laughs> than I did. I like that it exists because it's making the PGA tour better. We saw their announcement where they're going to cut some of the events that are going to have 150 people in it. Yeah. You know, it's going to be smaller. They're going to do stuff to make it better for us that are watching. And my, 
excitement about Liv was only that it was going to make the PGA Tour better. But then I, you know, people were like, "Well, where you are Nike, and they they are committing they have people working in sweatshops, and they have da da da." But I mean, the Saudi government really launched Liv as kind of a PR stunt, so that you're not like, "Man, everything Saudi Arabia does is bad." Because I mean, I guess it's not all bad. They got Liv, so. It, it's just kind of a vehicle for them to what they call sports wash. Mm. Now, granted, this is a person's perspective watching it, but I finished and I was like, yeah, lifts live really sucks. I finished thinking that and Phil Mickelson, like he's gone full Hollywood Hogan, meaning <laughs> he's a villain now. <laughs> yeah. Hulk Hogan is the same, but Hulk Hogan dyed his beard black and then became Hollywood Hogan. Yeah. Phil Mickelson, Mickelson like wears all black now and has like a black beard. <laughs> like he went full heel, mm-hmm. which that was never him. Bizarre. He was the most likable dude. Thing with Phil too, though, is he's such in such gambling debt. I think that he needed the money. Hey, I, yeah, you know, I've heard stories that like you know there was a guy that a friend of mine who flew, you know, on an airplane, and he was sitting sat next to a guy, and he said that what he does is go to these tournaments, these golf tournaments, and on Saturdays when the players miss the cut on Fridays, they go to local you know courses and they start gambling for money. Wow! So, and he said he used to play Phil all the time. All the time, Phil would miss the cut, and he would play on Saturday and Sunday. There at this well, private golf course, Phil would miss the cut all the time. I Maybe think they all friends... do. They all do. Huh? Well, that's pretty cool, though. If you would know, you just go out and you're the one person following them. But it's crazy on a public, on a public course. What's you're crazy? Like the gallery though, by yourself is that this guy is not good enough to play in the PGA Tour, right? But he's good enough to gamble against these pros, which is amazing. Wow. There was a story I saw about a guy. And I don't think it was, I think it was on TikTok. And he was the member at Augusta who wasn't a pro golfer, but he's a member who for like 15 years or so was the odd man up. up. Meaning once the cut happened, if there were an odd number of people, Mm. they weren't going to let one person play by themselves. So they sent a member, the same member for many, many years just to play with whomever was the odd person up. So almost every year he ended up playing the tournament. Now stuff didn't count. But he just played along to keep the pace going and often shot really well. And I think this is the first year they removed him from that. That's because amazing. He's getting, he's getting older. Does anyone know that story? I don't know where I heard it. I haven't heard it? that, but that's awesome. Yeah, it had to be on TikTok because I get a lot of like <laughs> just random crap. Meet Jeff Knox, the lucky non-competing marker who gets to play the Masters. He's played with Tiger, Rory, and Bubba. And Jeff Knox is back at the Masters. So, oh, so he is it's back. April 13th. No, this is 2019. Ah, uh, got it. But that's that's him. But this is the first year he doesn't get to be that guy because I think he's getting a little older and can't quite keep up. So what if he shoots good enough to win? He's just like, sorry. Doesn't count. Sorry, Bubba. He didn't play the first two days mm. because they launch all of those groups full, obviously. So it's just he's the odd man up. He's like a happens. seat filler. That's crazy. How cool would that? And you, you know you're praying every year. Be odd. <laughs> be odd. I want to get in. I'll be odd. And now I never, I never played at Augusta. Not that it's normal to not play at Augusta, (laughs) (laughs) but I got invited to play once, and then I got a gift to play at Augusta once. Uh, That's the gift is still there, right? No. No? Let me tell you what happened. Oh, no. I got got invited to play once, and I was shooting American Idol and just couldn't go. There's no way for me to get out of it. And you have to play with a member. Now, sometimes you know a person who knows a member and is like, hey, we're filling this group out. Why don't you come play with this? The member also thinks you're cool. And so I couldn't do it. I was beat up. And so two of the people on my management team, kind of my head managers, 
my birthday came around, not this year, but the year before. And they said, Hey, we got you a gift. And they gave me a master's like collared shirt. And I was like, Oh, cool. You know, yeah, hey, cool. It's nice. Thank you. And they're like, well, this is not all. We got you around in Augusta as a gift. And I'm like, wait, what? And they say, yeah, there's the head of CAA, which used to be my agent. And he's close with a member and you and a friend can go down and play as a foursome. We'll just get it all lined up. And I was like, great. Well, smash cut nine months later, I left CAA. So I don't have that gift anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, I went to a different agency. So I don't have that gift anymore. Oh, that's oh. not good. I know it blows. So, but I'll try to get us on somehow. I bet Coleman's a good golfer though, too. I'm okay. I'm okay. What, you, what do you, what's your handicap? Uh, I'm probably about a five, six. Okay. But that's really good. That's no, really that's, good. Well, it's yeah. the ugliest five, six that you've ever all seen. Right. Okay, all right. Shut up. I hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you invited him. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. This has been a long one because we taped it over two days and me getting to California. But it's been a really cool trip and hopefully I don't screw it up tomorrow. Let's have final thoughts around the room. Let's go to Eddie first. Eddie? Man, Bones, I'm going to go back to um, the Rich Eisen show when you were on there. You you asked the guys there, his all his like you know his staff there, a, a really cool question, which just made me think of things like, you know, what's Rich like? And, and he wasn't there, and he, they were just kind of messing around like, is anyone listening or whatever? And I thought that was funny. But they really got a chance to like express really what they were impressed by, and they've been with him for so many years. And it made me think, like, I know that you were there – filling in for one of your heroes but at that moment i thought bones is really cool because i felt like one of them thinking about your career and thinking about how like yeah the way one guy was talking about how rich went to the hall of fame and he just owned this room of three thousand people and i'm like i've seen bones own a stadium before you know and like i've seen that we've played so many shows together and like yes if a headphone goes out or in ears go out i'm like bones handles it like a pro and i would have answered all those questions the same way about you that they did to Rich. So, dude, I'm proud of you. It's really cool that you are that you were on the show and that you're filling in again tomorrow. And just want to say I'm proud of you, dude. It's really cool. Uh, thanks, man. That means a lot because it's uh, it's Sweet absurd. thoughts, Eddie. All thanks, Coleman. Yeah. Uh, what do you, <laughs> you say, Coleman? Sweet thoughts, Eddie. It is a, hey, it's a sweet thought. Hey, we got a sweet thought for you. Fix your microphone. Everybody's going to get to hear this when this thing's over where Coleman can freaking fix his microphone again. We've done like sorry, five, sorry. five shows together. Two of them, his microphone didn't work. We didn't even have a microphone. Uh, all right, final thought, Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> Great intro. Thanks for leading into me uh, that way. So my final thought is you better appreciate the journey. The reason I say that, I've now seen four or college basketball games where I have watched a team season end and I'm up there sitting up by the parents and watching seniors, you know, cry, hug their teammates um, as they fall short of their goal. And so I hope they don't see that failure and look at that as the end, but they look back at the four or five months in the building to try and be great at something as a team. Um, and, and they fall in love with the journey the practices, the bus rides, the team meals, everything like that. You better fall in love with the journey because we're all probably going to fall short. You know, you saying that about them makes me feel that way even about you. Because I was talking to those guys once we hung up from the call when you were on the show with me today. And they were like, dang, that guy just goes. I was like, that's the only reason I hired him. Like, I don't know how good he was. I had no idea. I just see somebody who a little bit reminds me of me. It was like, I'm just going to do it. Doesn't matter. Just I built up. I'm gonna go and just do it, and I'm gonna work as hard as I can, and I'm gonna let the chips fall where they may. I'll make some strategic decisions, but other than that, I don't have any help. So let's just try to kick life in the balls and see what happens. And so same thing to you, because you're gonna look back in a few years 
and go, I cannot believe when I was driving to all those places. Like you can believe it, but it's going to be so foggy because there'll be like an old version of you that got you to the new version of you. Cause you're definitely going to get there. Cause you're not going to stop until you get there. Right. I mean, you may not get there right now, but there isn't a plan B if you don't have one. And with you, I just see that grind and that grit and I respect it. And I was telling those guys, I, I was like, I got lucky. He was good at talking because I was hiring him just because of, you know, how hard he's going. He's terrible so, at microphones, but absolutely. You're not an engineer. One thing I said, the one thing he doesn't do is engineer. <laughs> like it's a, it's a literal, you plug it into the side of a computer and push on and then you go. But for some reason he couldn't, I don't know what's wrong. He couldn't spell on. It was a whole situation. So no, dude, I'm proud of you. Same way that Eddie was talking about me. It's just like, keep pushing. I, it sucks right now, but man, you're going to be so happy you did it. And so proud of yourself later. Once you get it going, does this inspire you to, what does it inspire you to do? Like, to do this, to do, to be a coach, to do like, what's, what is it? Um, I would say definitely something like this. My favorite part of it is the people interaction. I know it seems crazy. Me like responding to someone's random DM, like, yeah, absolutely. I'll watch no, a not game responding. It's going to their home and sleeping in your underwear <laughs> yeah, yeah, when yeah. they're right. And then away. what it led to, let's not act like it's you <laughs> responding on a DM. It's you getting naked and going, I will sleep near you and you have full access to everything. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, but I love the people interaction of everything, just hearing their stories, whoever it is I've interacted with, whether it be a player's parent, um, whether it be a super fan of a team, a college student, I just love the human interaction. So I want to convince someone, um, and perhaps it's just tweeting out, Hey, who wants to be my camera guy to come and record? Because the interactions that I have with others at these colleges are so much better than the highlights that I'm showing. And I can't video these interactions with people without being genuine in the moment. Um, so I, that's my next goal is convincing someone to, um, I guess be my videographer and doing this again next year. Because I think there's another part of the story that I haven't been able to tell yet. I'm trying to do it in the the writing, the blog's going up. But there's another part of the story that's so much better than what I'm showing on my phone. Cool. What are you going to do when it's not basketball season? Get back in sales, probably. If I don't get hired by anybody in the next month, get back in sales. Let's say you do, though. Let's say you get hired by somebody in the next month, but they only are like, yeah, we'd love to hire you for basketball season. Or what can you do when it's not basketball season? Because I, it's going to be tough for somebody to pay you a bunch of money for just six months of the year. Absolutely. I would love to transition and cover golf for the other six months. That'd be oh. ideal. I mean, this, the second that college basketball ends, you've got the Masters following after that, the four majors, the playoffs, and then boom, I'd get a month about to prep for college basketball upcoming. But we only send them to the Corn Ferry tournament, Eddie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Majors. Or college, meets all college players golf. At, yes, at, at Corn Ferry or Division II golf tournaments. And that's it. And nothing else. Uh, Kevin, final thoughts. Oh, where did he go? He's crying. He's not got, there. All I see is like a board blinking. <laughs> Here he is. He's probably trying to fix my terrible audio. Yeah. There he is. Headphones back on. All right. Uh, there he is. Where'd you go, dude? I want to go check something to make sure before we stop here. And by on check the- something... <laughs> That can mean a lot of things. That's <laughs> Nobody's house. No, the audio that we already uh, had from the other day, and make sure the ins and outs were all good. Just make sure we all we're all good here on the on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we're good though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Coleman just cried and told us that uh, he really wanted to dance. So you missed that. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, what really are your final thoughts? Dance? Yeah. Well, he said, "I was like, what do you want to do with your life?" And he got all emotional. And said, "I think I just want to dance." And then. <laughs> 
Then we went it's to a passion of mine. I haven't. You weren't there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Well, you guys are getting a little deep over here, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. Talking more golf. You know, Eddie and I went today, like we said, and I had something happen today. And I don't know if it's ever happened to you guys. I don't know if I just thought weightlifting, maybe Eddie said. I went to hit the four iron and the head came off of the four iron off of the tee. And it probably went, what? 50 yards, Eddie? That's not because you lift weights or are strong. It's because those are Eddie's backup clubs, and they're old and we're cheap. Uh, they are from, like, 2003. I don't know. Eddie said, dude, I've never seen that before. Dude, the club head went further than the ball. It was crazy. Oh, that's why he didn't keep a score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once that happened, I was like, it's going to be, you know, a little different day. Let's uh, let's keep the scorecard to you guys. What he's not mentioning, the bones, they're, yeah, like, they're my clubs, and he hasn't said once, like, hey, man, do it. Should I pay you for that? Like, or whatever. Oh, and the I, broken one? <laughs> I would say no, but he hasn't even offered. That's yes, a good I point, did. Eddie. That's a good point. Um, we were talking, and I'll give my five a couple final thoughts. We were talking about Kevin running a 40. Kevin thinks he can break five, which I don't. We're going to go 100 bucks against each other. But the combine started yesterday or Wednesday, whatever day you listen to this. Started on Wednesday. And on Thursday, the big men, the defensive linemen, they had their day where they were running and lifting and jumping and so here you go the big man opened the workout portion of the nfl this is from espn in lucas oil stadium indianapolis the university of <laughs> pittsburgh's kalijah Cansey, he's 280 something pounds had a 4.6 official time in the 40 yard dash the fastest time by a defensive tackle at the combine since 2006 Dang. two hit uh, a 4.6 for a guy that big how do you even get it going? Like, even like an 18-wheeler, because I had a CDL for a while when I was doing my TV show. You can't just hit the gas and it goes 50. Yeah, it's a it's slow like roll. Uh, <laughs> it takes forever. And I would compare these defensive linemen to those 18-wheelers. How this guy this big can run a 4-6-7? And then think about that and all the concussions. No wonder everybody's getting concussions. No wonder two has got 84 concussions. When somebody that big hits you going that fast, it's going to hurt. It's going to be bad for you. But that's pretty crazy. These guys are getting bigger and stronger. And I really didn't understand the impact that somebody that big would have until I got to know DeMarcus Ware, who played for the Cowboys, is in the Hall of Fame now. Or is going in. He just got invi- he just, he's, inductions coming up soon. So when I would be with him and he's massive and he can move like a cat, I was thinking I would not want to be a quarterback with this guy. He's so tall, so thick, so strong. If he got up, to 75% speed and lowered his head, you're dead mm. if he gets a clear shot. So these guys, I mean, to take shots from guys like that is crazy. Uh, that's my first one. Uh, my second one is I'm going to the Arkansas-Kentucky game on Saturday. Oh, the game's at... 11. Oh, I'm on, I'm on Pacific time here, right? So the game's at 1. So it's a day game, which is fine. We have to win this game. And Kentucky's been playing really well. We have to win this game. I don't know if we're going to make it to the NCAA tournament if we don't win this game or win a couple in the SEC tournament. Like our net is good enough and we should be fine. But it has not been a great situation the last couple games. And we've had really hard teams to play. We played Tennessee and Alabama back to back. Tennessee game was not great at all. But we got to win this one in Kentucky. I'm going to be there. And it's a whiteout. And I'm being all white. And I got my big hat. My big hat. Really big hat. I was going to wear. <laughs> it's a white out. You white- wear, you're wearing the white too? Why don't you wear red? That's not what a white out is, Eddie. No. What is the it? Whiteouts, the white outs, everybody wears white, so the whole place looks like it's Yeah, but white. that's for Kentucky. 
No, we're in Arkansas, though. Oh, my bad. I thought you were in Kentucky. My bad. No, no, no. We're in Arkansas. Okay. No, I'm not going to a Kentucky white out wearing white. I was going to say, dude, you go to Kentucky white you were you were red. The only dude in there. This hat is one of those giant hats. I love it. It would be like taking a regular hat and putting it on a G.I. Joe. It's basically what it looks like. <laughs> and I, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to wear this in the game. And she says, do you not get enough attention already? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? She goes, first of all, do you not get enough attention regularly? We go places all the time. Everybody wants to stop and talk and take pictures. And, and she's being funny about it. She's like, and then, of course, when you go back to the Arkansas games, it's just, it's like the, the, the prodigal son has returned. And she goes, and all that, you're still going to wear a big stupid hat so everybody stares at you. And I was like, I'd like to, yes. So we're 50-50 <laughs> right now. We're 50-50 on oh, me you actually can wearing do it. it. You got to do it. Yeah. But she has some great points. She does. Am I just doing it for more attention or am I doing it for the laughs? It's, I think it's for the laughs. Why do the guys wear, I don't know, Coleman, maybe you can help me. Some team, was it Kansas maybe? They're wearing thongs? Like, they, like there was like five dudes in the front wearing nothing but like bathing suit Speedos. Like, why do they do it? Not for attention. I, well, I think it's for the combo, attention and laughs. Those two can kind of coexist. And her point is, you get attention and laughs every day, all day. And so, if we're going to go have, okay, if I'm going to take a day, because here's the thing, the promiser, I didn't realize we we're going to this game. I got it mixed up because I was going to take Eddie with me. Yeah, I, I got promised booted. Her we, 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 you, Eddie got booted. Like big time. And I felt bad telling him this. <laughs> I, I promised her we'd go on this date, like a double date, and then it turns out, I'm just like, let's just grab those same friends. We'll just take them to a basketball game. <laughs> And that's the only way I was able to pull it off. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to wear the hat, but I'd, I'd love to. It's massive and it's hilarious. But do I need the laughs? Do I need the attention, guys? You don't need yes it. Or no? You don't need it, but you want it. So I do go. want it. Let's I go. say yes. I crave it. Yeah. yeah. You have to. Okay. That's it. Thank you guys for listening uh, from, the ho- from Mike's hotel room, which is where I am now. Which Mike's hotel is bigger than mine. I just want everybody to know this. I walked in here and I was like, wait, what? I paid for all the hotel rooms. Somehow I got the crappiest hotel room with <laughs> one little bed. Them. This is some bull crap. We're going to swap. <laughs> That's it. You guys have a great uh, weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Bye, everybody. And I saw Coleman pop up on screen, and he's, where the heck are you? I'm at Liberty. I'm a press conference at Liberty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just let me have the media room for the podcast. What? <laughs> Coleman's Treating like, me like royalty. Like, he's like the bell of the ball at every mid-major in America. Like he's living the greatest life ever. Uh, it's awesome. So, so wait, you're in Liberty. You're at Liberty, to Lynchburg, watch a game? Virginia. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, to, to watch a game. Yes, yes. A Sun semifinal. Whenever we saw you last, I guess it was Monday. Where did you go after that? Oh my gosh, I've got to think. I don't even know what today is. Um, he's like a touring artist who doesn't he's on the road so much he's blink 182 in 2002 doesn't know yeah, what town see. he's in doesn't know i remember now doing. okay go ahead <laughs> monday was i was at kennesaw state watching north florida play queens queens got the win to move on to play kennesaw state at kennesaw state the next day so that's where i was tuesday kennesaw got a one point win it was a crazy game um, and then yesterday i went to the big south first round tournament so i got to see two games in a neutral court I'm going to be honest, there was maybe 200 people at both wow. games. Um, so that was kind of crazy to see, knowing how intense it is the team seasons are about to end, but then it feeling dead silent for the majority of the game. Um, but that was fun. Two big South games, and then today at Liberty for the Ace Sun semifinals. Are you tired of basketball? I'm not. I'm a little tired physically, emotionally, probably, <laughs> mentally, but not a basketball, no. <laughs>
Coleman, real quick. All right, we'll come back to Coleman in a second. Uh, Eddie. Yo, hey, we need to turn Coleman's mic down yep. a little bit. Sorry, guys. Oh, okay. That's not loud to me, so I didn't know to stop him. Yeah. Is it better? No, it's still hot. Go again. It's almost like you're okay, not, how about whatever now? you're doing, Coleman yeah. is not doing it. Now it's not doing anything. Remember when it was the opposite? We couldn't get his mic on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, how about now? Is it way lower? No. What? Same. How about now? I've gone the opposite direction. Same? Ooh, that's a little better. Go go a little more. Keep okay, how about now? Back of the room. Yeah. Keep talking. How about now? Dang, it's the same, man. Why don't you just turn the pot down? Because that's everyone. Everyone's on one pot. Oh, it is? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Coleman. Is it still the same, what Kevin? About, do what, I need to just... What about on the microphone? What about on your button on the microphone? Yeah. I'll yeah. do a different setting, maybe? Is this yeah, better? That, you worse? See the, the top one? Turn it down. Yeah, turn it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top. How about now? Oh, oh, that's oh my God. Oh. It's the opposite way. Opposite <laughs> way. You turn it all the way up. Oh, my God. Just step away. Just step away from it a little bit when you talk. Hey, Eddie, he's got okay. it though. Okay. No, call him and talk. Talking now. That's much better. That should be yeah, lighter. Yeah, that definitely yeah. sounds better. This whole One, part. One, two, three. This whole part. Put this at the very end of the podcast. Sorry. Doing Coleman's microphone again. It's so, brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're good. But save this, Kevin. Put it at the end, okay? Okay. <laughs> Is it better? Does it sound fine? It's definitely better. Just try to back up a little bit or go a little more. Yeah, don't put it all the way that touched your, your, your hangy bangy. Like you got it so deep in your throat, we can. <laughs> it's touching your hangy bangy back there. Okay, how about now? Oh, that's beautiful. Good. Hey, now good, he's talking. Good, good. Now, now he's talking like this. Hey guys, how do I? Sound? <laughs> there you go. This, are we ready to go. go now? Sounding better? Yeah, yeah, yeah that good. is a good. Yeah, we're good. Okay. <laughs>